Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, once again, we admit our inability to serve you, to know you, to have the joy that we need without the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, we ask that you would take this time that we have dedicated to your worship, and Lord, that we'd be able to sing those songs and sing them to your honor and to your glory. And Lord, that we would be able to rejoice over the changes that have happened in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls since Jesus came into our hearts. Lord, we pray that if there be one here today that does not know you as their Savior, that you, that you would convict them of that need and show them simply and plainly from the Word of God. Lord, we ask others who carry the burdens of this life and are just simply worn down and pressed and that we'd be able to refocus our hearts and our attention on the Savior. And Lord, that you would encourage us in our service for you. We ask you to bless us that our lives may be a testimony to your goodness in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seven. Matthew chapter 7, and I'd like to start our time this morning by reading the uh, concluding conclusion, I actually would say, to the greatest sermon that was ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lives, amen, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to start in verse 13 and read through the end of the chapter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. 
And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, as Jesus is finishing this message, he is drawing our attention to several things, several comparisons here. We start in verse 13, and we have two gates. We have the straight gate, and we have the broad gate, and uh, or the broad way. And then... Uh, he, he tells us that uh, few find the straight gate. And then he tells us of false prophets. And he says how you can know these false prophets is by their fruits. Uh, I've often tried to help people understand if we will just look at what is produced by your faith in God. Um, we, we have uh, many nations on the face of this earth that would be classified as Catholic nations. The, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, of course, the, the biggest of which, um, not the biggest, but the most Catholic of which is the Vatican City, uh, the only church with government uh, uh, envoys and ambassadors and, and things like that. And, and that goes back to uh, the Roman Empire when the last uh, Caesar was fleeing the invading barbarians. He left his crown for the Pope and said, you're in charge now. Uh, thinking that uh, uh, the barbarians would uh, kill the Pope and think that uh, would stop chasing the Caesar. But uh, as history went on, the, the Catholic Church is still here. And they still think that they own and have seed to property and, and as a representative of Jesus Christ. But you look at the nations that have called themselves Catholic. Are they prosperous nations? Uh, do they have great freedom? Are, are people leaving their homelands and trying to get into those countries? Uh, I'll tell you the opposite is true. They're leaving the Catholic nations, and I'll tell you where most of them have ended up is right here in the United States. Uh, we just uh, uh, had our family fun night on St. Patrick's Day and found out a lot of interesting things about St. Patrick. Uh, and we won't go back into reteaching that lesson this morning. But Islam... How much freedom and prosperity has the nation, uh, religion of Islam brought into this world? Normally, we would think of oppression and death and torture, and beheadings, uh, slavery. Uh, it's amazing. You, you need to read what is actually happening. Uh, this was just in the last two years... Uh, as they're trying to still settle things in the, uh, in the land of Israel, 
Israel, the government of Israel turned over to the Palestinians an entire citrus grove with the machinery to process that. Uh, Israel is really one of the world's leading producers of citrus concentrate. If you uh, buy the frozen orange juice and things, look on the label there. Nine times out of ten, it'll say uh, juices from uh, USA, Brazil, Israel will be listed there. And um, they turned this whole thing over to the Palestinians and said, listen, you can employ hundreds of people in raising the crop, in producing the crop, in processing that uh, crop, in freezing it, in exporting it. This will be a way to end the poverty that is in the Palestinian territories. Within 48 hours... Every machine was wrecked. The buildings were burnt to the ground. The groves were killed because they weren't going to accept a gift from the Jews. Now, you tell me what kind of sense that is. That is unrivaled hatred is what it is. And that's what the religion produces. Jesus said, listen, by their fruits... You're going to know them. What do they produce? When we go to church. Why do we go to church? What's what's the difference? How do we know who's teaching the truth and who's telling the lies? Well, look at what they produce. This is what Jesus is saying. You know, some things sound really good. Wouldn't it be really good if you had all the money you wanted in the bank and all the clothes you wanted and the possessions and you had everything you wanted and never got sick? That'd be pretty cool. Uh, But number one, that's not real life, is it? But there are preachers that preach this prosperity gospel, they call it. And it's kind of strange because... The churches where that type of preaching happens are usually the poorest neighborhoods. Uh, and uh, somehow they gain enough money to buy huge properties and build big buildings and things. And, and does it change the, the tenor of the neighborhood? No. Usually what happens is the church gets well enough off and then they move to a rich neighborhood. And uh, tried to do the same thing. And so, listen, Jesus said, you've got to understand. No matter how good it it sounds, what does it produce? We have people that talk about Jesus all the time. Um, And never produce anything good. And then he goes on. And he says, you need to understand something. Good trees don't produce bad fruit. Bad trees don't produce good fruit. And so if you're seeing something that is desperately wrong here, you got to know that, uh, if we could just coin a phrase, you're barking up the wrong tree. Amen? Uh, you're, you're, you're headed in the wrong direction there. And then we come down here to the words. And it says, not everyone that saith unto me, In that day, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
Uh, we have people that say the right things, that do the right things, that believe in what they're doing for the right reasons, and yet Jesus tells us here in verse 23, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I mean, those are some fearful words. This is who he's speaking it to. Look at verse the verse before it, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? That's preaching and teaching the Bible, bringing the message of Christ, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Jesus says there's going to be people who have all the right appearances. Do you see how he's narrowing this thing down? We have two ways. You can't be on two different paths at the same time. You've got to make a choice. We have two kinds of trees. And good trees cannot produce bad fruit, neither do bad trees produce good fruit. But now... We've got people who say all the right things, do the right things, and still do not know the Savior. The reason for this passage today is it's just in keeping with our theme. Be still and, and know that I am God. How many of you have ever thought you knew something that you didn't know? I mean, everybody's made that mistake. I know for sure. How many of you have remembered something that didn't actually happen? And, and you don't have to. I mean, several years ago, Miss Ann said, you're finally old enough, I'll let you have junior, senior moments. But you're not old enough to have senior moments yet. And uh, I'm, I'm holding on to that one. I'm, still, I'm already getting my AARP applications, and, and I throw them all in the garbage. Uh, because, uh, number one, I'm not old enough yet. Uh, and uh, when I'm 75, I'll still not be old enough to join AARP. Um, I'll find some conservative old people's group to join. Amen? And, uh, but the uh, truth of the matter is, we, we have a great deal of deception in our world today. Uh, Friday night, we were told, I don't know of a time, and I, I don't claim to be a, a great authority, but I, I have studied and read American history. I don't know a time in our nation's history where we have more lies being presented as truth in the news media than we ever have, than, than we do today. Uh, I just don't know of a time when... When we have more disinformation going on, things being reported as true that have no that are just completely made up and fake. It's it's a terrible time in which we live and yet look in the church. I mean, how many people do we have in the world that Believe in Jesus. I mean, if we stopped ten people on the street, do you believe in Jesus? Uh, and and I, I would probably 
guess, in Astoria, in our neighborhood, we'd probably get a fair majority, and unless uh, it was all uh, millennials. Uh, uh, but if we had a good cross-section of our, our city, I, uh, of our little neighborhood here, I'd say we'd get a pretty good majority. So I believe in Jesus. But if we were to stop ten random people on the street and say, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? What would the answer be? Oh, nobody can know that. And yet, here's why the Bible was written. It says, these things have I written unto you that ye may what? Know. That ye may know. Look. Look at, uh, let's just keep your finger in Matthew 7. Let's just go there to 1 John chapter 5. We, we need to get that verse. Verse 13, 1 John chapter 5. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, what might you know? That ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. It never ceases to amaze me the amount of uh, dishonesty is the best word when it comes to things of the Bible that the world has. How many of you remember a couple of years back on Easter, uh, the, um, there's a fraudulent professor from one of the universities up there, wasn't even a real professor, down several levels from that, released a papyrus saying they found the tomb of Jesus and, and, and he was married to Mary of Magdalene. And, and, uh, and everybody went, Well, if, if you know anything about that document, it was actually released ten years previous. Somebody thought they were going to shake up the Christian world and they even made a movie, The Bones of Jesus and all this kind of stuff. Uh, this was probably about 15 years ago or somewhere in that neighborhood. Even the people who hate God and even the atheists looked at this manuscript and said, this piece of paper is a total fraud. There's nothing real about it. And so this professor sat on it for ten years and re-released it trying to accomplish shaking up people's faith in Jesus Christ. And this preacher, in response to that, said, even if they found the bones of Jesus, that wouldn't affect my faith at all. That's because you don't have any faith, sir. That's because there's no reality to your faith at all. There cannot be. The Bible tells us very clearly, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that if Jesus did not rise again from the dead, we are of all men most miserable. But then he says, but now is Christ risen from the dead? You see... 
We like to think that we apply logic and we like to think that we apply good thought process to everything we do. But when it comes to the Bible, we kind of suspend all those things. And we just say, well, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I hope. And here's what the Bible says. That you may know that you have eternal life because that is the purpose and the reason for believing in Jesus. We believe in Him because He is the only one that can save us from our sins. Can we say amen to that? And we go back to Matthew chapter 7 here. And we find out that as Jesus is closing this Sermon on the Mount... That he says there's going to be two paths. There are two different types of trees. There are two different types of professors of faith in Christ. There are those that say they have faith and do not. And then those, of course, that say they have faith and do. And then we come to verse 24 with the word, therefore. Now, the word, therefore is a connector. It puts everything together here in the previous verses. And so, Jesus says, because there are two ways, because there are two trees, because there is a false profession and a truth profession, true profession, <coughs> excuse me, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. Now, if you remember the little children's song, and I need to talk to Andrew. We need to get this in our uh, Sunday school repertoire there. And it goes, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came down, and the floods came up, and the rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. And so, let's just talk about the wise man for a minute. It tells us, that he built his house upon a rock. Now, the idea here is not that there's some craggy cliff hanging over the side of a mountain with a rock exposed, and he goes up on top of that rock and drives some nails and anchors into that rock. The idea is when you build upon a rock that you dig down into the earth, and you find something solid to set it on. How many of you know the reason why there are so many tall buildings in Manhattan? It's because the island of Manhattan is basically a piece of bedrock that has shifted and moved close enough to the surface that we can drill down and anchor to it. Uh, when they built the first World Trade Center there, they were building them actually in the Hudson River, what used to be the Hudson River. Uh, they would um, um, throw the trash in between the piers, and then when it got full and the water dried up, they'd just build the piers out. And now that whole bottom of the island of Manhattan is actually filled in what used to be part of the river. And when they began excavating that site, they had to go way, way down into the muck and the mire and find solid bedrock. And then 
they put what we call pilings down in there. They, they, they sank a shaft and filled it full of concrete and reinforced steel to hold uh, those buildings up. Uh, if you took all of those buildings and uh, moved them to Chicago, let's say, here's what would happen. The entire city would sink and the uh, Lake Michigan, I believe it is, would uh, uh, run in and wash the city away because there's not enough support to hold the buildings up. And so when you build something, the ideal here is to dig down and find something solid to rest on. Now, I'm not trying to be ridiculous but I want us, uh, or over-tedious here, but I want us just to see something that as this wise man built his house upon the rock, first he had to dig down and find it. There was some searching involved. And once he found it, then he had to attach it and make sure that it was founded upon that rock. You see, his house was attached to something bigger than the house. Uh, How many of you have heard the uh, humorous story about the the bricklayer in the barrel of bricks where he had a bunch of bricks up on the floor and he put them in a barrel and untied the barrel and then found out the barrel weighed more than he did. And so immediately he began an upward travel until he banged the pulley. And as the bucket hit the ground, it opened, dumped the bricks out on the ground and now he was heavier in the barrel and started his way down. The only problem was he met the barrel halfway. And it goes on and on and on and on and gives all of the injuries that happened. And then the song and the little story ends, Now You Know Why I Can't Make It to Work Today. And you see, you have to understand that if you're going to hold something down, you've got to get something bigger than what you're holding it down to hold it down. Now, that sounds so elementary that we say, why, why are you going here? Because we, we suspend reality when it comes to spiritual things. We're too busy watching TV and all these uh, uh, mystical forces. And let me tell you, there's, there is a reality to the spirit world. Please don't study it. You don't need to learn any more about the devil. What you need to do is learn about Jesus. The wise man had his house attached to something that was bigger than the house. Something that would not or could not be moved by the approaching storm. And so when the storm came, the Bible tells us that... uh, Rain descended, the floods came, the winds beat uh, upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Now, if you're familiar at all with the structure of, of buildings and how they work, there's, there's an overall principle to keeping a building sound, structurally sound. It's the idea that 
nothing moves too much. Every building has to have a little bit of move. How many of you sat on one of the bridges around here and felt it shake as the trucks drove over? Well, the reason it does that is because if it didn't, it would shatter and everything would fall apart. And so there is some flexibility there, but you don't want movement. You don't want too much movement because once things move, it breaks the bonds that hold them together. And once that happens, you have structural failure. So as the winds beat upon this house and the floods came and washed through this house or all around it, it didn't fall. I remember years ago when I was traveling with Brother Clayton, we were in the uh, Florida Keys there, and... Uh, I noticed as I walked in the buildings that they were built rather strangely because there was all these big concrete piers on the first floor. And so I began to ask around. They said, oh, yeah, these are uh, uh, after the hurricane of 1964. All the buildings that are built here have to be basically hurricane proof. And what that is, is they're built up on stilts. And so that when the hurricane comes through, it washes right through the first floor and and the buildings don't get washed away. Wow, that's pretty interesting. And then a hurricane came through a few years later and found out that, guess what, worked pretty good. They lost a few roofs, uh, lost everything on the first floor, but that floor that was elevated and and up there was, was basically safe and they just had to rebuild the buildings and go on. You know why? Because they were built in such a way that the storm would not move things. Because once it starts shifting, then you lose everything. And so then we have the picture of the foolish man. Now, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, the Bible says. Now, what that simply means is, He did not dig down. He did not find anything to attach his house to. He just built it. Uh, I want to challenge you that uh, you get out of New York City, especially down south. uh, Many of the buildings there are built without foundations. In in fact, uh, I love the Paul Harvey story. There was a, uh, I think this was in the Midwest, there was a little church there and a group of people and and uh, the uh, piece of property that the church was on was all landlocked and they couldn't do anything, couldn't expand. And, and they wanted to move the church. And uh, they had approached the owner of a piece of property in the town and, and, and he wouldn't sell to them, had no, one, nothing to do with them. He wasn't going to help the church or any such thing. And then a flood came. And the church just lifted right up off the foundation because it was a wood building. And it said, floated down the street. And when it came to the appropriate intersection, the church made a turn and floated right in on this piece of property. Really happened. Uh, Have to believe that there was probably a little angelic interference there, don't you? 
And when the flood was all over, there was the church building just sitting on the ground on this piece of property that they had wanted. Sometimes I wonder if there weren't some church members inside with holes in the floor rowing, huh? Um, you, you just never know about all these things. But when it was all said and done, the owner said, how can I argue with God and sold him the property? And, and uh, they, But the reason that happened was the church was not attached during the hurricane, uh, what was that, uh, Irene, especially up there where Brother um, Hiram is. The little town of Closeville only had about 23 homes and 17 of them were damaged. And, and uh, several of them, are, they just tore them down and the people moved out because uh, of the damage from the storms. Because once something starts moving, you lose the structure. That was one of our main concerns at the Union Baptist Church as we went up there and began to investigate things. We found all kinds of things that were wrong. I mean, it was just a, uh, a terrifying discovery. But the one thing that we did find is nothing moved. The roof joists and trusses were still in place. They, they did not move, and through all the storms that we've had since uh, uh, November of 2015 when we took over the building, uh, even the stained glass window that's falling out in the front, it hasn't moved since uh, last uh, a year ago spring when we put up the boards and locked it in place. And, very, very happy about that because if it's not moving, we're, we're good. We're, we're structurally sound. But the foolish man, to him, there was nothing bigger than his house. And so when the storm came and the floods moved and the wind beat upon that house, things begin to creak and groan. And finally, one little joint let loose, and when it did, the next one did, and the next one did. And it says the fall of it was great, meaning that the destruction of that house was complete. It, it completely collapsed in on itself. And Jesus said, Listen, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine... He said, I'm going to give you a, a living illustration, a parable, if you will, so that you can check yourself out and know where you come in all these series of do's and don'ts. Jesus said, listen, you can be like the wise man or you can be like the foolish man. How many of you have heard someone that said, I don't believe in anything I can't see? A lot of people say that. Well, could the wise man see the stone that his house was founded on? No, because once you fill the dirt in, you don't look at the foundation that's under the ground. Don't accept just foolish, simple reasoning. You've got to understand there's something in this world that's bigger than you are. 
And if you want to be attached, you've got to seek it and find it. And if you want to be held in place and not moved with all the craziness that goes on, you better find something bigger than you to get attached to. Amen? This is the story that Jesus is giving us here. And we just want to go through here and and find ourselves. You see, Jesus said, here's what you need to be attached to. He says, you need to be attached to my sayings. You need to hear them. But more importantly than hearing them, you need to do them. If you'll hear my sayings and do them, I'm going to liken you to that wise man. You see, you can argue all day long about Bible versions. But I'll tell you this. I believe by faith that I hold in my hand God's revealed word preserved in the English language. That I need go no farther. Oh, I can study the Greek and the Hebrew. I can read the books of those who understand those languages. Uh, I can do that. But you know what I find out? The more I study, the more right this book is. And so I'm just going to believe. I'm going to attach myself. In fact, our church, when we held our organizing service and we begin to prepare and, and write our, our constitution and bylaws for how we would practice and what we believe. We, we put an anchoring pin in there and said, our church will be anchored to the words of this book called the Bible. Why? Because Jesus said in this story, if you will hear my words, hear my sayings and do them, you're going to be like the wise man. I want to challenge you. I can tell you the story of churches that didn't anchor themselves to this book. And today, you could not hear... I'm talking about Baptist churches. You could attend that church for five lifetimes and never hear about believing Jesus to take away your sins. You see, they moved. It still has Baptist on the name... They still have Bibles in every pew? Well, maybe. But they don't believe a thing that's in them. You see, you're either going to be like the wise man or the foolish man. I think about my college that I attended. When I was a student, they taught That the King James Bible was a preserved word of God in the English language. You know what they teach now? That all the manuscripts and all of the things are God's word. Well, what do you do when they disagree? Well, it's all God's word. Oh, so God disagrees with himself. He's not quite sure what he said. Oh, no, no. God said one word. Well, where is it then? Oh, it's found in accumulating and assimilating all the manuscripts and all the voices. Well, there's 26,500 manuscripts that make up the New Testament. How many of you have enough time to learn Greek? Ancient Greek, by the way. 
and assimilate 26,500 pieces of paper. I want to challenge you, no living person in history has been able to do that. You see, you couldn't serve God because you've got to spend your whole life searching where you can find God's Word. That's not God's plan. But if you look at the evidence that is there, 90% of those manuscripts agree with the text that your King James Bible has. You know, for an honest person, that should be enough to end all the arguments now, shouldn't it? But you see, foolish men can only believe their own intellect and their own house and their own life is the biggest thing in the world. I believe this book is bigger than me and I attach myself to it. I gave testimony to that fact at my ordination in 1989 and I promised those pastors that were there that if I ever changed, I'd turn in my ordination. I have no intention of ever doing that. You know what? I've anchored myself to something bigger than I am. It's called the local church. A church that teaches and preaches this book. That's why we moved our family to Astoria in 1992 to start this church. Because we believe in the local autonomous assembly of believers covenant together to just simply serve the Lord The Bible calls it the body of Christ. You see, that keeps me from doing a lot of other things. You know, there are millions of good things that you could be involved in. And we're not here to disparage good things that you could be involved in. But what we are trying to do is help you understand there are a few things that according to the sayings of Jesus, according to his teachings in the Bible, that you need to be attached to. Not only do you need to hear, you've got to do. Because if the do doesn't connect with the hear, then all of a sudden... Jesus says you've moved from the category of the wise man to the foolish man. I remember hearing people in the church I grew up in saying, you know, that's okay for the preacher and that's really important for for people like that. But us ordinary Christians, we don't have to be that strict. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. You see, the Bible says... That God's no respecter of persons. The book of Jude says we have a common faith, meaning that your faith and my faith. Peter says that we have the same grace that saved the apostle Peter, saved me. There's no differences in the level, not supposed to be, in the level of your spirituality, in the level of your dedication in the level of your obedience to God. You see, there's a set way of doing things according to the Bible. I, I always get a little upset and, and a little frustrated when somebody says, well, that's your interpretation. That's the reason there's so many different 
religions because there's so many interpretations. I want to challenge you. That's another one of those lies that are out there. It's not interpretations. Because where they get those different interpretations is out of all the different books that they give. Have you ever met one of our friendly neighborhood Jehovah's Witnesses? They come along and they say, oh, we believe in Jesus. No, you don't. You believe Jesus is like an angel. He's a created being. That's not Jesus of the Bible, who is the Son of God. You say, oh, we believe in the Bible. Well, then why did you translate your own Bible that changes key passages to agree with your own doctrine? Which they did. In the world of scholarship, in the world of people, even people who disagree with this King James Bible and argue against it, laugh at the Jehovah's Witnesses for such a foolish and poor translating job. But let me help you understand something. You see, Jesus said, if you'll hear my sayings and do them, See, you're going to be like the wise man that found out there was something bigger than themselves. The number one message for the human beings from this book called the Bible is get rid of me and embrace God. Is to turn aside from my own thought process, my own deeds my own abilities, and surrender myself to the revealed Word of God. Can we say amen to that? That is the message of the Bible. Did it make sense for Noah to build an ark? Sure does now. But it didn't in Noah's day. Not until the first raindrop fell. Then they thought, maybe this ark wasn't such a bad idea after all. By the time they figured out the ark was a good idea, the floods had came and washed them all away. So you have to understand something. You don't have time to go dig a foundation and build your house once the storm warning has been issued. You've got to do that now. You've got to do that before the barometer drops, before the storm clouds roll in, before the wind starts to blow. You see, let's go back to Matthew chapter 7 and look at that last verse there. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 29, it says, For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. It says, For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, people apologize today. Well, we don't want to be too dogmatic. I'm, I want to tell you that I do want to be dogmatic. That there is only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you don't drive an anchor pin on that point, you're never going to get saved. And if you don't get saved, you're going to be of those that say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. The Bible says that we've got to hear the words and we've got to do them. See, Jesus set himself up as the final authority, as the person that could draw the line between what is right and what is wrong. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes were very much like our modern-day theologians. Uh, they could... They could talk you out of anything and into anything. See, when you leave the boundary of the words and their simple meaning, there's nothing to hold you down. You can believe anything. We have people believing all kinds of crazy things and blaming it on the Bible. It's not their interpretation, my friend. It is their theology that they pasted over top of the Bible. It takes a little bit of effort to find the sayings of Jesus. They're all written here, but you've got to read them. We preach them in our services every Sunday morning for the last 24 and a half years. But you've got to come. But more than hearing... You got to do. If you don't follow up with the doing, then you're not attached. And you will be moved. Because the devil's in the moving business. I remember many years ago hearing a preacher preach a sermon, and he said, The world is here. And the church is here. He said, then the world moves here, and the church moves here. Well, I mean, we've seen that happen so many times. But that ought not happen in the true church of Jesus Christ, because the word is here, and the church ought to be here. And as long as we stay there, we're attached to the word. And I will tell you, it does take some effort not to be moved by the things of this world. That's why we refuse to have the quote-unquote new music that is out there. Because I don't want to go to the world and get their help to worship God. They can't do it. I want to worship God His way. And somebody said... Well, those songs were new at some point in time. Oh, yes, absolutely. But they're in agreement with and they're based on the Word. So I'm not moving. That's how simple it is. We're not giving up on church. I like uh, Bible Baptist Church in Stillwater. They started a campaign there years ago and said, Still church. Uh, we're just going to keep doing what the church does. Well, I like that. And uh, on Father's Day several years ago, they made mugs and it said, Still Dead. I'm going to stick with that. I have one of those. 
and uh, just going to stay with it. Why? Because Jesus said, if I'll stay attached to his sayings and hear them and do them, I'll be a wise man. No thinking person would ever willfully choose to be foolish. But when we say, oh, you know, I know what the Bible says, but we've joined the ranks of the foolish. When we let something get in our way and dissuade us from just simply being doing things the Bible way. See, you have to make a choice. The question simply is, do you trust Jesus and the authority of his word first? Or are you trusting your own reasoning or far worse, someone else's? Many times people use the argument of hypocrisy. Well, I, I went to a church like yours when I was a kid, and I met a guy there, and he is really mean, and you won't know all the wicked... Oh, wait a minute. Excuse me. Are you going to let someone else's foolishness cut you off from the truth? You're going to react to someone else's foolishness by being just as foolish as they are? Does that make sense to anybody here? Jesus said, if you're a wise man, you're going to hear my sayings and you're going to do them. You see, Jesus is the authority. And I'm going to trust him. Though the whole world say he's wrong. That's okay. The world has been wrong before. You say, everybody can't be wrong. Oh, yes, they can. Don't give me that. Everybody can be wrong. But only Jesus is always right. And if you just obey him, you can know that you're saved. Not because you feel good. Not because everything wonderful happens to you. But because Jesus said so. You know what? I've met some pretty hard to get along with people serving God. But I found something out. I found out Jesus is bigger than people. Amen? And I'll just keep serving Him. I've... Been, uh, have been presented with arguments and all kinds of reasoning and I used to think I needed to answer them. And then I realized that that those Proverbs in the book of Proverbs were actually true. If you answer a fool according to his folly, you're just like him. And if you don't answer a fool according to his folly, he's wise in his own conceit because he, as a fool, is smarter than you are. So what is the, what is the uh, answer to those two verses? Stop talking like with fools because you're going to end up looking like one. 
But if you'll spend time talking with Jesus, you might just line up with the wise man. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would help, that you would work in each life here. Lord, my prayer is that you would open our eyes to the foolishness that we have allowed in our lives. And Lord, that we would replace that foolishness with an attachment to the solid rock of the Word of God, to the person of Jesus Christ, with simple obedience to His simple sayings. Lord, we ask that you would be with those that are here today that may not know you as their Savior and still very confused by all the things that swirl around them in this world. That you would help them to grab a hold of the truth that Jesus is the authority. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the very God of gods come in human flesh to save us from ourselves and our sin. Lord, we ask that you would work in our church. That as individual members, we would be anchored all to the same rock, which is Jesus Christ. And that together we would learn to serve you as a church and continue this service. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. The hymn of invitation 294. But if God has spoken to your heart, just lay the hymn book down and come down and let's spend some time at an altar this morning. Break those attachments to the foolishness of this world and just simply trust in Jesus. As we sing, would you join these that have come? Just.